Dateline, a long time ago. Galaxy far, far away. The clone armies of the Republic are spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. And from the front lines of the battle comes Frontline, the Clone War podcast, with your host, Michael Cohen. And now, Michael Cohen. Welcome to the 29th episode of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast for the episode Weapons Factory. Uh, this is your host, Michael Cohen, re- returning. He's back. And, uh, yeah, I'm back. And uh, I've recovered from the blue shadow virus <laughs> that I was afflicted with earlier. And it, it and, still uh, sounds like you have it, though, a little bit. Like I do, said, I, do I still sound? Yeah, okay. My veins are still a little bit blue and goofy looking, but... It's okay. We got some, what was it? Rixa root or something like Rixa that? Rixa root. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome. Nice. Uh, and as, as, as always, and uh, I, I'd like to thank him for, for his stepping up last week and doing the episode solo. Step uh, up. Matt with me. Yes, here I am. So how was it? How was your first solo episode? Uh, it was fun. It was fun. Um, it's, I think I, I might have told you this um, over Skype or something. Uh, it's you kind of miss having someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, and yeah. and uh, that's kind of what I missed about it. Especially coming back from an episode like Senate Spy, and then we jumped right into uh, a two week break and then into the landing at Point Rain, which is like all action. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I kind of missed well, you there, you know. <clears throat> yeah, at least it wasn't an episode that needed to be discussed a lot, because it was like really. Like, yeah. Point Rain, my feelings on it is, like, I loved it. It was a really great episode, even though it had Kiati Mundi, who I hate. <laughs> you don't like uh, him? Yeah, and yeah. they make him worse in Clone Wars by making him even uglier. I mean, in the freaking prequels, he's an ugly old man with a, like, he's an ugly cone head. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what he is. Like, yeah. like if you thought that Dan Aykroyd and, and the, the rest of the crew was ugly as the cone heads on Saturday Night Live... Uh, you you know you got another thing coming because because Keati Mundi is one of the ugliest yeah. sons of guns in the entire Star Wars saga, in my opinion. And it's because like he's mostly human except for his head, except for his cone head, yeah. But then he's also just like not that good looking of a guy. Well, you know, like he's got a real knobby nose <laughs> and real like sunken cheekbones and that that old style like beard goatee thing going on and yeah that, yeah the whole situation is just not good but and, and he's allowed to in his species is allowed to mate so go figure you know the ugly, yeah, one of the ugliest yeah. species and they can mate yeah. I, i'll figure that one out or have a yeah, wife but or... you know what you know what <laughs> I, while we're on that subject really quickly the what's worse is and i hope we don't see any of it in the clone wars is if in the if you've read any of the comic books uh during the clone wars saga you find out that that Kit Fisto and Ala Secura have like a relationship. Oh, and I just, yeah. oh, I don't even want to know what that, that yeah. kid's going to look like, you know? <laughs> don't go there, yeah. Yeah, like the guy's like a fish man. Yeah. yeah. And she's a Twi'lek, which is like this totally other thing. And is that even possible? Like, is that like, is that kind of like reverse inbreeding? <laughs> you know, it's like, Cause like when a donkey or like when, yeah, like a donkey and a horse mate, they're not supposed to be able to, but then you end up with a mule, right? Like, so would it be a situation like that where it would be this just sort of, you know, 
developmentally challenged (laughs) fishmen with extra tentacle heads like what i don't know what they were thinking they're like what they both got things coming off of their heads yeah we don't want to see those babies (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah but back to landing at point rain i mean it it really was just a whole lot of action and a whole lot of excuses for action so yeah i mean there wasn't really there wasn't really a ton to talk about not a lot of dialogue no and it was just like it was just like yeah and then this happened and it was pretty awesome and then this happened and that was also awesome yeah you know other than visually yeah visually awesome other than the beginning and the end there really wasn't a lot to (laughs) talk about yeah because at the end they have that moment like at the beginning obi-wan chastises anakin and, and ahsoka for treating it like a game and then at the end they're doing it again and he kind of makes his comment and then Kiati mundi is all like i win and obi-wan was just kind of like well i guess i just got told because yeah. Kiati mundi's been on the council since episode one, one so right? yeah. he, he outranks obi-wan i would think yeah so yeah so that was I, your feelings was, of the episode uh, yeah, so that yeah, I mean it was all, it was all right. I don't I don't I, there was a lot of people out there calling it like like four point five like best episode of the series so far, and I and I'm inclined to agree that it was very Star Warsy, but I don't know if I'd say it was one of the best episodes because it didn't have all of the elements of Star Wars. It w- it really just felt like the end of episode two, again. Right. You well, know, did, which yeah. I have no problem with because I love the end of episode two and I really enjoyed the episode. But I'd still only give it like a four. Like it's not I don't think that it's as good as as uh what was the episode? Children of the Force. Yeah, Children of the Force was yeah. an amazing episode. Right. And I mean still nothing nothing surpasses trespass. Yeah. So I I, in my, I mean I just the amount of the amount of artistry and, and just like filmmaking expertise that went into trespass the way that it just feels like it's its own movie and everything it was just yeah i don't know i have to agree with that yeah yeah so so with that i guess we can move into the news and uh the first piece of news that we need to get to is that clone wars on cartoon network has moved to to fridays at 9 p.m it's been really confusing the last few weeks because oh, they, yeah. it used to be what well, last year it was eight o'clock. They eight. Last week's episode, and then eight thirty they'd play the new episode, right? Right. And and then this season, what did they do? Did they continue doing that from the beginning? It or? was it was eight o'clock, okay. and then and then they went to that special Wednesday episode. Yeah, Point they had Rain. that one. Yeah, Point Rain was randomly on Wednesday, and then there was nothing on Friday. Like, there was yeah nothing. For I me was on worried Friday. that you were going to have to do a double episode by yourself. Yeah, they they were gonna do an episode on Wednesday and Friday because like I was sick by the the Tuesday night, like the Monday Tuesday. So I I was like worrying that you were gonna have to do <laughs> two episodes, like do two episode recaps and talk about two episodes by yourself. So I was kind of like feeling really bad about it, and then oh no, found out that there was only one episode. Yeah, it's kind of like oh well, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, that's what happened to me. It was on Wednesday, and then it said repair, re- repeating on Friday, but I did not see it in my area. And then this huh. this this episode this week, like I told you earlier, it's my DVR was picking it up at a time, and, and it, it picked up something totally different, a cartoon, and it wasn't Clone yeah. Wars. I tried to retape it again the next day, and it, my DVR is telling me, no, you already have it. 
Yeah. And, it, and it skipped it, so it was a big mess and everything. But oh. I guess you know what's really funny not. about that? You know what's really funny about that? So it aired on Cartoon Network at 9 o'clock. And now I know you personally have the Eastern feed, but, but you are on the West Coast, as am I. So right. technically for the West Coast, if you don't have the Eastern feed, and I guess I could get the Eastern feed of, of uh, Teletoon. But like for people watching on the West Coast feed of Cartoon Network, I got to watch the episode before them. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I saw I saw Weapons Factory. It was on at eight thirty. Oh. Um, and and I guess like I, as of right now, Teletoon is caught up with with Cartoon Network. Like we were a week behind. Okay. Yeah. But then because of I guess just because uh, of the couple weeks off or whatever, we uh, we caught up. So. Okay. Cool. That's cool. So yeah. So uh, that's funny that the first time. The first time ever that I'm watching Clone Wars on time, you know, like <laughs> the I'm first not time huh? until, wow. until Sunday night or, you know, having to find it online or something like that, um, which, by the way, I'm going to put this out there and, and I hope we don't get in trouble for it. But oh. there's a website called it's www.watchclonewars.com. I saw that, that. I just found today and it's. It's not they're they're not distributing the episodes or anything like that. Like the episodes are somebody's uploading them to Mega Video, and then they're just like sort of aggregating them and putting them all in one spot, embedded, right. so that you just have to go to their site and you can, and you can watch because Mega Video once you've uploaded a video, you can embed it on other sites. So okay. they just have embedded versions of it. So for those of you, I don't know those of you that are international or whatever, you might be able to, to go to that site and, uh, and get caught up and watch on a watch with us, uh, as, as it goes. So, Hmm. um, it's not, you're not downloading it. So it's not like you're keeping it. It's just like watching it, like as if you're watching it online, like you're supposed to be able to, you know, like everybody else in the States has the opportunity to, to do. So, I personally don't feel that there's anything really wrong with it. I feel if you're downloading something and you're keeping it, it's my personal opinion that that, that goes a little bit too far. You know, that's that's as good as stealing. But if it's something that's being broadcast on TV and either you don't have a network that's broadcasting it, like some of the people in Europe and, and Australia and, like, because um, I know I, I think I got an email last week from one of our listeners in Australia that was telling me that they didn't even get season one finished. Wow. Like they didn't even get to see the end of season one. So I, I mean, like I, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, this is star Wars we're talking about. It should just be on, on all of these internet. Like they boast that they're on in all these different countries. And it's like, yeah, sure. The first five episodes or something, Hmm. you know, like I don't, I don't personally think that's right. So like they had to wait, until the DVDs and Blu-rays just came out to uh, to be able to see that stuff. So, so I think if you're gonna if you're just gonna go online and watch it, I've got no problem with that. And that's if I get stuck, that's probably what I'll end up doing. But uh, but I mean, you know, obviously, downloading something and keeping a copy of it is is essentially as good as stealing, right? Because then right. why would you bother buying the Blu-ray or DVD right. if you've already got copies of it? Right. Yeah, yeah. I saw that uh, website 
I was searching for something Star Wars related and I came across that and I thought that was pretty interesting. Like you said, it's just like you're watching it on StarWars.com, you know? Yeah, yeah it's no – I mean it's 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 not really? even like that because it's in lower quality. Oh, right, it's yeah. Got, it's got the Cartoon Network thing plastered right in the corner. So it's like, you know what? Cartoon Network's still getting the advertising. <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows it's Cartoon Network. Right, yeah. You know? So like I don't know. I, I personally think if they would just leave the commercials in them, like the thing that bugs me is that you 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 see these downloaded videos or whatever. Like uh, I've got I have so many friends that just download stuff constantly, and you go over to their house, they're watching something downloaded, and uh, and it's got all the commercials cut out because somebody's taken the time to cut out all the wow. commercials and it just goes yeah. through the episode right as if you as if you've got the DVD or whatever. But if you just left the commercials in, then I would think like no harm, no foul, you know, like because that's where they're worried is that they're not getting revenue for the commercials. Yeah. And nobody's watching the commercials. And it's like, well, if people are still watching the commercials, then what difference does it make? Yeah. Right. I guess, you know, Cartoon Network's not making, you know, six billion dollars instead of five billion, (laughs) you know, like or whatever, instead of seven, you know, like they're they're short a little bit, you know, but you, really in the end, everybody's making oh, yeah. money hand over fist. With oh this yeah. Stuff. So really what difference does it make? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. We've kind of gone off on a tangent there. Tangent uh, time. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess that's a, that's a good, that's a good place to segue into the fact that I'm, I, you talked about it last week, but the season one Blu-ray and DVD have hit shelves. Um, but at the time that the episode went live last week, uh, I still couldn't find a copy of the Blu-ray or DVD anywhere here in Vancouver. Oh, yeah? So, uh, yeah, like, they didn't ship for, like, a, uh, until a week later. Like, they, all, everywhere. Where'd you get it from? Uh, I ended up buying it from, from HMV. I don't know. Do you guys have HMV in the States? No. No, okay. It might no. be just a Canadian company. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I ended up getting mine, and I paid about five bucks more for it than I wanted to. Yeah. But uh, Best Buy didn't have any, so and Future Shop didn't have any, and wow. uh, even like Walmart. Uh, where else did I check? I mean, every time really? sold out everywhere. I, yeah, every time I left the house, and, and I mean, for that first week that it was out, I didn't even leave the house. I had my girlfriend searching high <laughs> and low for it, and I was you know like on the internet trying to find, like checking stores inventories trying to track down a copy of it and i couldn't because they i get i don't know maybe they just didn't make it across the border or something like that but wow um or they're selling out that fast uh no no nobody got them like everyone oh i see okay we're just like no we haven't even gotten them yet oh wow and uh and so i finally managed to get my hands on a copy uh last thursday and uh and i spent all friday morning going through the the special features Cool. And uh, I picked up the Blu-ray because I have a PS3. So nice. Um, yeah, I picked up the Blu-ray copy, and uh, I mean, I don't have a high def TV. I've just got like a standard def. But oh my gosh, still, it still looks amazing. Like, <laughs> it looks better than a than a DVD. If I were to get the DVD, it wouldn't look as good. Yeah. But um, I had I had talked about some of the features that were going to be on that DVD and the Blu-ray actually, and and that's one thing I like about Blu-ray and DVD is all the behind the scenes stuff now. You said you got a chance to go through some of that uh, special material. Yeah, there's a there's a 
a featurette for every single episode. Okay. And like they went all out. Like they say, I don't know if that's the same on the DVD as it is on the Blu-ray, but I, I'm pretty sure it is. But I, uh, I mean, normally with a with a, a television show, uh, season set, you get like maybe one or two episodes that have commentary. Right. Like, or maybe you know, if it's if it's like a, a like like three or four episodes, uh, a disc. You know that might have commentary on it if it's like a half an hour show or maybe like one or two. Right. Usually just like one episode on like the hour long things. You know, like if you got like Smallville or Buffy or something like that. Yeah. It's like it's like max six or seven episodes have commentary and something like that. But with Star Wars, of course, they go all out, and uh, and there's there's a featurette like a six to ten minute featurette. All, for every single episode, which was wow. really so, uh, so I mean, it took me a good—I don't know—I guess it took me a good like hour and a half, maybe hour forty-five minutes to go through all of those videos, yeah, uh, and watch all of them. Like they, it was—it was a substantial amount of video, and in some instances, it was some pretty good stuff. I mean, I think it would have been cool if they also would have um, had the commentaries from. From Star Wars stock. Oh, Filoni's commentaries. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're like these, these behind-the-scenes featurettes are essentially extended versions of those. But they didn't include, like, they never talked about the things that they talked about in those commentaries. Like, you could tell that it was clearly somebody different doing both. Like, uh. like you could tell that they sat down to do the the season one Blu-ray and DVD and just like sat down and went through every episode. Yeah, but it would have been cool to add on those commentaries as well, um, and it also would be cool to have commentary that runs throughout an episode. But they didn't do that, right? But there are there are director's cut episodes which I haven't gotten the chance to watch many of them yet. Uh, like seven or, of them, right? Or any of them? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a couple on each disc. It's three discs for the Blu-ray. Okay. I don't know what it is for the DVD. I think it's also three discs for the DVD. Yeah, um, and and there's about, I guess, how many episodes were there? There were 22 episodes. 22. Yeah, so there's about, I don't know, like six or seven episodes per disc. Okay. Um, it and it, it just would have been cool if there was that commentary to run throughout the episode, right. rather than just watching a feature ad. Like you went on a, a regular movie. The episode as well. You you're talking like uh, commentary, like uh, director's commentary, like on a yeah, regular like, movie? Yeah, like them talking underneath, like right, just an audio okay. track underneath. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I mean, overall, uh, I'm really happy with it. I mean, I ended up spending, uh, with tax, it ended up costing me $72. So, I mean, like, that's not a small amount of money to be spending on a, no. on a TV series, just one season. I mean, yeah, 22 episodes of a half an hour series i mean because they come out to to like what what is it like 22 minutes or something like that yeah i so think really it's roughly it's, 22 it, yeah 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 but although some of them are longer because of the the director's cut stuff but uh trespass didn't get a director's cut so oh I was kind of man by that, that would have been cool like, for you that would have been wicked but oh, yeah. uh but then then i guess on the blu-ray i think the the Jedi archives are the the exclusive for the Blu-ray, right? Right. And all it is is just like a it's just pictures. 
Oh, okay. Like, it's just concept art. Um, you're better off, actually, to go out and get the the art of Clone Wars, Wars book. Yeah, okay. Than to waste your time rifling through the these pictures in their Jedi archive or whatever. Yeah. But, uh... But, I mean, okay, the the best thing about the entire set, though, has to be the actual box itself. Because rather than being your standard DVD, you know, case that, that clips open and closed or whatever and has just the DVD set in there, or maybe a DVD, like, like they do with the Slim Packs now where it's got those, they're sort of like plastic pages that the, that the DVD is stuck to. Right. I uh, rather than just do something like that, they uh, they actually made it like a book. Like it's got. Oh yeah, cool. It's got like the cover of a hardcover book, and then you open it up, and the disc one is is on the inside of the front cover, yeah. and discs two and three are on the inside of the back cover, and then in the center, instead of having. A, a leaflet thing that comes out because you know you always pull those out and then they get bent or wrecked or you know ruffled. Oh or yeah, yeah. Instead of doing that, they just stuck like an insert, uh, sort of uh, a brief version of the art of Clone Wars. It's okay. just in there, like with all of this great concept art from nice. season one, and then at the very back, it's got the you know, episode lists for the DVDs and stuff. And then like the special features listing and everything. And, uh, and man, like the presentation of it is just unbelievable. Like the Blu-ray, I don't know if the DVD is identical, um, but the Blu-ray cover is like, it's embossed and then it's also got foil on it. And then the back cover, which you can't see when you, when you pick it up at the store, because they put, they put like a, like a standard DVD. So you know how like they have like, the summary of what you're buying essentially, right? Right. With like a couple of pictures or whatever. They've they've got that like, like sort of, on a piece of paper, just sort of stuck to the back. And then when you open it up and take it out of the cellophane, you find out that that comes right off. Like it's not even uh. adhesive to it. It's just like a piece of paper in there. You pull that off. And then the back cover is like four or five scenes uh, from from episodes, and they're just in this amazing sort of foil print. Nice. And it's just like I like I opened it up to look at it as I was walking through the mall on my way home, and uh, and I was like blown away. I was like, holy smokes, they went all out with this. Like nice. I was kind of. I was kind of begrudgingly walking home with it, going like seventy-two dollars. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, I can't believe I spent this much money on this. You know, like, like really, almost like upset with myself, like buyer's remorse. Right. Kind of like, man, what? Like, I've seen all of this before. It's not like this is new. It's <laughs> stuff that I've seen before. Yeah. I've watched these episodes like three or four times, and you know, it's not that big of a deal to own them for me. But then I opened it up and I and looked at how this box set actually came and the quality of the product itself and was just like, that's awesome. Like yeah. it just totally made me feel like it was a worth it. Yeah. It was a worthwhile purchase. So dang, I got. I'm so, looking forward to that then. 
So in the end, it's totally worth it, and I and I recommend it to everybody. The uh, the special features are overall totally worth it. Um, I mean, they say there's ten hours of of bonus features or whatever, and I don't know how they calculate that. Like, I guess if you sat through all of the concept art on every disc, right? Because there's concept art on every disc of the Blu-ray. Take you ten um, hours. Wow. Yeah, I guess it would take you ten hours to go through it all, or maybe that's including the episodes. But I well, no, because the episodes themselves would be like ten hours, right? Wouldn't they? I mean, twenty two, yeah, twenty two times twenty two, right? I, like I'm sure that it that it yeah. works out close to ten hours. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's worth it. So everybody should go out there and and pick up a copy. Pick it up, or put it on your Christmas list, like I am. Yeah, or put it on your Christmas list. I have to do that because I always my family's like. We don't know what to get you. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, and I have a hard time thinking of something because usually when I want something, I just go buy it, you know? But this is I'm one that you could put on the old uh, list and have someone else get it for you. Yeah, I've been really bad this year, speaking of Christmas and all that stuff coming up. Usually I have a rule that starting November 1st, I'm not allowed to buy anything for myself <laughs> other than, you know, like my weekly comic books or something like that. Yeah. I'm not supposed to buy anything, but it's like I bought – Season one of Clone Wars, I bought Ratchet and Clank Future, the new one, you know, like two weeks before that I got the new Uncharted. I oh, play yeah. Video games? Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, what, do you, what else are you going to do when you're sick? Well, yeah. I, <laughs> no, you don't understand how sick I was. Yeah. Oh, even I, too I sick out, to play video games? Are you kidding I didn't me? Get out, I didn't get out of bed for like four days. I was, Dang. Yeah, it was not cool. It yeah. was not. Anyways, all right. Uh, we've actually got some collecting news this week. A little bit of stuff. So why don't you? Uh... Here we go. Okay, uh, we have the Darth Vader Wii sensor bar. Uh, it says it's specifically designed to work with the Wii first-party sensor bar. The sculpture-quality Darth Vader figure safely supports the sensor bar while maintaining full range and performance. The detailed uh, Darth Vader, made from high-density resin, accurately depicts the iconic character and his red-bladed lightsaber. With the sensor bar fitted into the lightsaber, fans will surely feel that Darth Vader is watching their every move. The Darth Vader sensor bar holder is a must-have for any player with a bit of the dark side in them. <laughs> the, power, uh, the Power A Darth Vader sensor bar holder is available from select retailers, Amazon, Toys R Us, around uh, $39.99. You know, I haven't even actually seen this yet. It's, uh, it's, I got this from, uh, I think, the Force.net, possibly. Oh, okay. That's where I saw this. Um, and it's, it's essentially just Darth Vader, like, a, like sort of a bust of Darth Vader from the, uh, from the waist up. And he's holding his lightsaber uh, horizontally. And mm-hmm. then, like, he's holding his lightsaber, and then the blade extends. And the blade is hollowed out. So that you can just take your Wii sensor bar and stick it in there. Oh, okay. I gotcha. So, uh, I mean, it's it's a totally, totally needless accessory. But if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan. Yeah, or a collector. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's, it's, you know what? It, it, it's the sort of thing that I might pick up eventually. I don't know if I'd pay $40 for it because I guess that's MSRP 39 Yeah, That's right. probably American, which means it's probably about 45 to $50 Canadian. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, 
I'll wait until they go on sale. Yeah, wait for like, eBay or but, something. Yeah, but like if I if I found it for cheap, I, I might pick something like that up. Even yeah. though I never play my Nintendo Wii, it just sits there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Too busy with the PS3. Well, the only thing I ever use my Nintendo Wii for is to play like old school games, like either my GameCube games or oh, right, right, or like the because it's got the virtual console, which actually. I, I, uh, about a month ago, I guess, or maybe a little bit more than a month ago, they released uh, Super Star Wars, and I think that all three of them are out now. Uh, Super Star Wars, Super right. Empire Strikes Back, and Super Return of the Jedi, which are awesome games, and I would totally buy them for a virtual console if I didn't already own them for the Super Nintendo. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that that's the only time I ever used my Nintendo Wii, so... Might huh. be a little bit of a waste. Come on, now. I, just, I know well, you do Wii Fit. I know you do Wii oh, Fit. Oh yeah, yeah. Every morning I get up. And do my <laughs> you do some yoga. I know you. Video games are not supposed to make you break a sweat, <laughs> unless you know you're at the last. You know you're fighting the Emperor and the Force Unleashed. Yeah, yeah. Something. On, what is it like Jedi Master Mode or whatever? Sith yeah. Master. Sith Master. Yeah. Yeah, because that's freaking difficult. Oh I yeah. Beating them, it's terrible. Yeah. I can finish that. Um, but yeah, yeah. I let's see the next one. We've got a Star Wars Build a Bear stuff. I don't know if everybody's familiar with Build a Bear. Some of our international listeners, I don't know if they have Build a Bear uh, anywhere other than Canada and the states. Uh, we have one here in like our local. It's in the mall, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I I freaking love it. I've got I have a Spider Man Build a Bear, although he's not a bear. He is a he's a dog. <laughs> got for me his name is peter barker and uh and i've been waiting for them to do the right kind of dog so that i can i can uh get one uh, named bark kent because i've got the superman costume yeah but i don't have they haven't done the right kind of of dog because i want it to look like crypto so it's got to be like a straight white lab right they keep doing dogs with like spots. Spots, yeah, yeah, really. Um, or like shaggy dogs, or like they did, they did like an all black one. They did one with like shamrocks on it or something. They've done everything, but it's really frustrating. Yeah. But now I, now I have a new build a bear to worry about because they have Star Wars ones coming out. Uh, so Star Wars fans and friends of Star Wars fans can now create their own Anakin Skywalker clone, Captain Rex. Darth Vader and Jedi Knight teddy bears, courtesy of Build-A-Bear Workshop. Uh, Star Wars bear costumes are available with the bear or without in case you'd like to try and suit up that old Ewok plush you've had stuffed up in the closet. A Jedi-robed Ewok? Hmm. <laughs> okay. This is, this is what's on StarWars.com. I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, there's also the slumber-style scruffy puppy decked out in Star Wars PJs if you prefer your cuddleables more down-to-earth. Uh, the outfits retail for about $15 U.S., and uh, with a bear, they come to about $40 U.S. Um, I was just at the Build-A-Bear after I read this piece of news. Uh, I, ch- I checked out my local one. Um, we don't have the the cooler ones, like the Anakin, the clone Captain Rex, Darth Vader, or the Jedi Knight one, but we do have the, like, the pajamas. Oh, yeah. Which, which they're just like... They look like little kids Star Wars pajamas. They just say Star Wars on the T-shirt, and then the pants have like, like the the Jedi logo and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, uh, 
not that exciting. <laughs> so I kind of like me and my girlfriend went in and I was like, oh, that's lame. I wish they had. The... I kind of want. <clears throat> I don't know which one I want more, the Captain Rex, or the uh, or the Jedi Knight. Yeah. They didn't do Obi Wan. Yeah, I was gonna say no Obi Wan. What's up with that? <clears throat> but uh, hopefully, I mean, if these do well, hopefully we'll see more. Because what I'd really like is a Boba Fett costume, and to be able to put that on my Ewok plush because I do have an Ewok plush. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The ones from they actually used to be my brother's, but I stole it. <laughs> can you can you have an Ewok with a Snuggie? How about that? No. <laughs> okay, never mind. Snug, <laughs> you know where Snuggies came from, eh? What? You know, like where the original Snuggie, like the the original uh, uh, perpetrator of the Snuggie, was the uh, it was the Emperor. When you go back and you watch Return of the Jedi, he is hanging okay. out in a Snuggie. Yeah, it's totally just a blanket, but his is even better than a, than a regular Snuggie. He's got a hood because it's got that it's got that cool little toggle on the on the front up by his neck and then it's got the hood so it's like the ultimate snuggie that's the ultimate that's the uh extreme version yeah <laughs> i don't know why, i don't know why they haven't done that at starwars.com yeah or starwarsshop.com or whatever because they have like you can get the that tauntaun sleeping bag now oh i know yeah Although i talked about that they, last week yeah they put them up for sale and they're they sale now okay good right. cool yeah for ninety nine dollars though. Yeah, for a hundred bucks. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a that little is too much. Free freaking ridiculous. I mean, yeah. we are hardcore Star Wars fans, and that is never going to happen. <laughs> hundred bucks? No. No, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't pay more than fifty for it. Yeah, you know? that's what I thought it was going to be. Forty nine. Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. But. Oh well. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's our. Uh, that's all of our news. Now we got to get into the actual work of the episode and do the recap. Recap. Okay, here we go. Well, the recap's not too big. It's actually one of the smaller recaps that uh, we've done, I think. Yeah, this episode actually went by really fast. Yeah. It was it was a really nice condensed one. Yeah. So uh, so let's get right into it. Let's get into it. All right. Um, the Republic advance on the massive Geonosis foundry continues, and it can Skywalker's forces. Are the vanguard? His troops, combined with those of Kiati Mundi, stand ready within the shattered shell of a communications bunker, awaiting orders to press forward against the immense spire-topped factory. Anakin and Ahsoka brief their troops on an approach that would require their forces to cross a bridge spanning an immense canyon. It will be a difficult assault as the bridge forms a natural bottleneck that concentrates the clones into an easily targeted cluster. This bridge is our first waypoint. Focus your fire on the gun emplacements, here and here. Because it's only... Because it's only after we neutralize the guns that we can push for the factory. I was... Yes, we can push for the factory. Now expect stiff resistance and from... don't forget to top off your energy cells and ration packs. Once we leave, there'll be no resupply. Anything else, Ahsoka? No, I think you've pretty much covered everything. In my briefing. Very well. Squad dismissed. Okay, what's next? You know, Master, my briefings might go better if you didn't interrupt me every time I tried to... I wasn't interrupting, I was trying to help you. Which I would appreciate if you didn't interrupt me to do it. I just think maybe you don't trust me to give the briefing. 
It's not about trust. It's about getting the job done right. Oh, so you don't trust me to get the job done right. I knew it. Uh, Snips, I never said... No, no, it's okay. I understand. I'm the Padawan. You're the master. So as we start out this uh, this episode, um, we find out that the factory is is pretty much near completion. Um, mm -hmm. But un but like the second Death Star, this thing is operational. Okay, it's still functional yeah. and it has it's going to have a few surprises in it. So um, yeah. And then also um, we heard a clip here about uh, Anakin and Ahsoka kind of. Anakin's kind of interrupting her, and, and it sounds like he's having some, some difficulty with uh, letting Ahsoka, like, take charge of, of the uh, assault, and um, mm -hmm. he keeps interrupting. I don't know if it's a sign of he just doesn't trust her fully yet to handle this, or that's just his nature, just to, hey, I'm just going to butt in, and this is how I think it's going to go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's, it's a combination of things, right? Because um, we've seen him let Ahsoka take command in other situations, like uh, uh, Storm over Ryloth. In that episode, she's fully in command of that fighter squadron, and <clears throat> it doesn't exactly go well. Right. So I think that that maybe, like that and some other instances of, of her maybe not having the best judgment, he feels the need to step in and be a little bit more, um, a little bit more guiding. And then on top of that, I mean, he's Anakin. He's, yeah, you know, the one of the greatest warriors in the Jedi Order. So <clears throat> he's he's inclined to, you know, think that he knows best. Right, yeah. So I think it was a little bit of both. Like a little bit overprotective brother and a little bit, you know, full of himself. Right. Like we see in, in the movies. So there's a little bit of uh, column A and B. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, it was cool. It's cool to see them uh, attacking this foundry because uh, those of us who are video gaming fans uh, that have played the Republic Commando video game, that's uh, that's your first mission is to take out the droid factory uh, on Geonosis. Okay. Yeah. So that's why, like, if if you're if you've played that and you know that storyline then that's why the Geonosians have had to relocate and build a factory somewhere else on Geonosis because the commandos, like, destroyed, destroyed it. Destroyed it? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, so. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Um, <clears throat> yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to say? No, you know, like I said, um, it kind of reminded me of of the, uh, the Death Star. And there's actually a couple of instances where it, it – maybe callbacks to the original trilogy that which we'll mm -hmm. um get into here in a few minutes so um I'll, I'll wait and save it for then okay uh in contrast to the spirited and undisciplined approach favored by skywalker and his apprentice is the measured and methodical demeanor of luminara Undoli and her padawan barris ofi this new duo arrives via gunship along with their clone forces including eager troops draw and buzz and meets with Skywalker and Tano. Unduli has warned Barris of the unorthodox pair. Ofi, ever doubtful, bows deeply as she meets Ahsoka, much to Tano's surprise. Good day, General. Skywalker's waiting for you. Not again, are they? Again, Master? 
but let's just say that they have a penchant for playing loose with regulations and rules of command. Listen to me. Well, if you don't trust me, then maybe you should send me back. <laughs> don't tempt me, Snips. If you're both finished with your little discussion, we do have a factory to destroy. Well, Barris, won't you go introduce yourself? Padawan Lena, Barris Offi, at your service. Glad to meet you. I'm Ahsoka. It's good to see both of you again. I wish it was under more peaceful circumstances. Okay, so we get introduced to uh, Luminary Andoli and uh, Barris Ophi, and they are the exact, or they're the same species, uh, and their species is Mirialan, if I'm saying that correctly. Um, that's what I what I found out. And what I thought was interesting about this is um, that they don't tell you here in the show, but apparently um, Mary Allen Jedi are only trained by their own species. Um, now that's, again, from um, the expanded universe, so take that for what's worth. Yeah, I, I love how they just they make these things up <laughs> to, yeah. to justify the fact that they... Like the the reason why that exists and why that that part of the mythology is there, is only because Luminara and Barris are the only ones that we've seen of this species, and we see them in Attack of the Clones, right. in the assault on Geonosis, and it's just like it's the two of them, and it was explained in the expanded universe and like in the databank and stuff that Barris is is Luminara's Padawan. And so somewhere along the line, like, it's, I don't know, I feel like it goes in the face of what they're trying to do with Clone Wars, which is to try and explain not all Trandoshans look the same, not all uh, Toydarians are the same as Watto, like, some of them are honorable and, and they're warriors and stuff like that, you know, they're not all junk dealers, because in Star Wars there's this this compulsion to just assume because we only see one of a species or two of a species, that they're all exactly the same. Right. You know, like, we find out that Boba Fett is a Mandalorian, so obviously all Mandalorians wear pretty much the exact same set of armor. Apparently. Right. They all look exactly the same. They just have, you know, slightly different sets of armor with slightly different paint, paint schemes, jobs. Yeah. Right. And, you know, all Wookiees are really good at repairing ships because... You know, Chewbacca's good at repairing a <laughs> ship. It's the only Wookiee we've ever yeah. seen. And apparently all Jawas are scavengers. You know, it's like, it's almost like, and it it's it's the sort of thing that, that because there's an expanded universe, it sort of gets away from the creators of Star Wars, like George Lucas and, and now Dave Filoni and like these guys who are in charge of the Star Wars universe, where these other writers see something and in order to create continuity, they just extrapolate on what you would assume, like your first assumption. And it ends up being this almost racist sort of mindset of, well, clearly all Trandoshans are jerks. And they all look exactly the same as Bosk. And, you know, like all Wookiees are identical to Chewbacca and all, you know, like all of this species is all the same, you yeah. know, like it, it, I don't know. And then it carries through a little bit 
into something like Clone Wars, where you get the the pirates, uh, weak ways, uh, Hondo Onaka and all of his guys that are all weak way, right. because I guess you know like they were they were pirates in uh, in Return of the Jedi kind of because they were on the skiffs yeah, yeah. like Jabba's guards. So we like assume that, but then at the same time, I don't know. Like Dave Filoni goes out of his way to talk about the fact that he wanted to make sure that that uh, what's his face, I uh, got an act uh-huh, yeah. was different than than uh, Bosk, and you know that we've got by the time we get to to uh, the Ryloth trilogy, we've got several different versions of Twi'leks. Like, they, they all had very different body types and very different looks, right. especially when it comes to uh, to the, the senator, the Ryloth senator that's on Coruscant that that we see who's, you know, he's kind of really over oh, and has a totally look, yeah. right? And, uh, and we see it a little bit in, in even in the movies with, with Boss Nass, who looks totally different from the rest of the Gungans, right. In the same way that, you know, a skinny guy like myself looks totally different from a guy who weighs 300 pounds. You know, like we know that humans are all humans because we know we're all humans. But from a from an alien perspective, I'm sure that they they would look at someone who's 350 pounds and a guy like me that doesn't even, you know, top 160 and uh and go like, are they are they the same species? I can't tell. Are they the same? You know, but but we get this ridiculous idea that that because Barisophie and Luminaro and Dolly are master and apprentice, that oh yeah, well if they're master and apprentice and they're the same species, then obviously all of their species as Jedi only train one another. Right. You know, like like who who made that decision? Because <laughs> it's. It really seems like an arbitrary and or not arbitrary, but just like sort of a baseless position to take on a really thinly veiled assumption. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, don't know. I guess that was a little mini rant. It's a mini rant. Forever. Oh, that was but, awesome. But yeah. you know what? That's just my issue with Star Wars. <laughs> That's an issue. That's my issue with sci-fi in general because yeah. you get the same thing, or sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. Because you get the same thing with like Lord of the Rings, like you know all dwarves are this way and all elves are this way. And it's like, yeah. you know, let's promote racial stereotyping because it doesn't matter because this stuff's fictional. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just personally feel like it teaches bad, bad ethics. Yeah. I, I can hear you there. I got you. To people who watch it. it. It's it's like, it's like, it's a good excuse to be racist. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So mini rant. I don't know. Yeah. Mini rant. <laughs> um, you know, in this scene, uh, you kind of get the contrast of the two Jedi apprentice um, mm-hmm. relationships here. You got, but you, but you also have to take into account because I was just rewatching the episode earlier and I was thinking about this. Um, Ahsoka's fourteen years old, yeah. And if you watch episode two, Barisalfi looks a lot older, yeah. Oh, yeah, than fourteen. Like, she's at least 16, if not 17 or 18. Like, she is an adult. I always, like, considered her to be probably closer to Anakin's age. Exactly. Than, yeah. than to anything else. Like, because like, Anakin, in episode two, 
we see as like he's he's a young adult he's not really a teenager he's you know old enough to get married at the end of the movie right. so I, I always assumed that she was closer to his age than to a character like ahsoka who's only 14 years right. old but we've got this thing in star wars of 14 year old girls being in <laughs> very high positions of authority yeah. And I, I'm not trying to infer anything into that, but it's really odd that we see a lot of yeah. that, you know, like, uh, Leia is, is what, 17 in A New Hope, and she's been a senator for a while. Like, she's not, it's not like her first day as a senator that she seals the Death Star plans. Like, she's been a senator oh, yeah. and dealt with Darth Vader in the Senate on several occasions like they have a history yeah. she's met grand moff tarkin you know like and this is a 17 year old girl we're talking about when i was 17 i was more worried about pimples and <laughs> you know who i was going to prom yeah. with than galactic yeah affairs. exactly and then you get you get padme who's 14 years old when she's the freaking queen of a planet like <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit ridiculous <laughs> It's a, like, is it not a little bit ridiculous? I think. Well, it's maybe that's why uh, the Luminara and, and Barris kind of seem like they're more of a conventional pairing. Like they they follow the rules, and and you can kind of see Anakin and, and Ahsoka as the uh, the rebels almost. You know what I mean? Um, kind of a, I don't know. That's where I got that. that I, I just wrote a note down. It looks like they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, but yeah. like you said, Barris. It's got to be at least, I don't know, like you said, maybe eight, ten years older, you would think, because you saw her in Attack yeah. of the Clones, and she's at least two more years past that. So Yeah, but then in this, it looks like she's maybe only 16. Yeah. Like she's maybe only a couple of years older than Ahsoka. And maturity-wise, although she's more disciplined and, and reserved, <clears throat> she's almost, like, naive. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, like... You, you kind of get the sense that because Ahsoka is with Anakin that she's kind of learning for herself a lot of the time right. and making mistakes and learning from mistakes. But you can kind of tell that, that Barris doesn't get that opportunity because Luminara is almost like an overprotective parent. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that it's like before we go into this situation, you're going to do all of your homework and, you know, like you're going to, you know, do extra studying and all that sort of thing and then it's like but then she's got no no social skills and no ability to improvise or anything like that you know? exactly yeah because i mean she walks up to ahsoka who is a fellow padawan that's younger that she obviously like that that because i think i go by age a lot when it comes to to jedi in order like a venerability right, right. um so really she probably outranks ahsoka in the greater scheme of things, because Ahsoka should still be a youngling at the temple. At the temple. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she like bows down before yeah. her and Ahsoka just kind of looks at her and is like, huh? like she get it's really good. She gives Anakin this wry smile, just this sort of like, huh, what is up with this person? And Anakin just kind of laughs yeah. it off and she shakes hands with her with, with her and and Luminar or uh, Barris just kind of like looks up and goes oh, and kind of realizes that she may have overdone it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that too. Cool, cool little scene. Um, I'm gonna jump back in here. Uh, 
Luminara fears Anakin's forceful frontal assault will be too difficult and provides an alternative. Geonosian nests are built atop labyrinth catacombs. The droid factory is situated near enough a canyon that the catacombs are accessible by cutting through the canyon wall. Once inside, a small team can plant explosives in the foundry reactor. In preparation for this mission of sabotage, Verisophie has memorized all 200 junctions of the maze-like Warren. Luminara suggests that she and Skywalker use the clone army to distract the Geonosians within the spire while the Padawans carry out the sabotage mission. To truly lure the droids out of their headquarters, the Jedi will have to march their forces out parade-style across the bridge. Anakin is hesitant, for he worries that Ahsoka is not prepared to undertake an unsupervised assignment such as this. The independent-minded Ahsoka does not fret, especially given how much faith Luminara exhibits in her Padawan's abilities. Luminara equips the, the apprentices with synchronized chronometers to keep track of them. A frontal assault is risky. Our losses will be high. But not as high as they'll be if that factory comes online. Indeed, but there is an alternative. Every Geonosian building has a series of catacombs beneath it that run deep underground. Some of the tunnels are close enough to this cliff wall so that you could cut a hole and make an entry point. Once inside, we could find the main reactor, plant the explosives, and blow the factory inside out. Well, looks like a good way to get lost, if you ask me. For the unprepared, perhaps. But I have instructed Barris to memorize the labyrinths, all 200 junctions. You always were thorough. It pays for one to be prepared. Right, Barris? Especially when other people's lives depend on your success. How do we keep the Geonosians occupied while someone else is setting the bombs? Good point, Snips. If whoever's going in there is going to be successful, we'll need to create a diversion. Precisely. That task will be carried out by you and I, Skywalker, while the destruction of the factory falls to the Padawans. Now hold on, who decided that? Walking into that factory could be suicide. Not if you and I are successful holding Poggle's attention at the bridge. Master, I can do this. I've had riskier assignments. But unlike Barris, you aren't prepared for this mission. Not to worry. My Padawan is reliable. She can lead them both through the maze. We'll be in and out, Master. See? Dependable Barris will get us through. Don't worry, Master. As you well know, I can follow orders. It's decided, then. I guess it is. We'll monitor your progress on these chronometers. Synchronize on my mark. Three, two, one, mark. So we had a lot of stuff uh, going on in here. Um, you know, we have... Here's where I get to my second uh, callback. I immediately thought of Akbar and Maydeen in the scene where she's talking about going under the catacombs and then uh, putting charges on the reactor. They, they show the, uh, the little hologram there, and that's the first thing I thought of, you know, was that. Um, and then she suggests, like I said, she suggests that they use the catacombs, and this is what I like about this geonosis um, and this war on this planet, is we got these catacombs um, and these bugs, if you want to call them, um, I mentioned last week it looked like uh, um, starship troopers, you know. I mean, because these, you know, these yeah. bugs can fly from anywhere and then come pick you up and take you away. And it's kind of a a, uh, a force that can think on its own, sort of, you know. So, um, 
And then she also talks about how they're going to use this diversionary tactic where, hey, let's go in the front door here, but let's send Ahsoka and uh, Barris to the back door. You know what I mean? So a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on there, a couple of callbacks. I, is that what you thought of when you saw that, uh, sort of? Uh, you know, I actually, I actually had issues with this episode a little bit because they, they say, oh, well, frontal assault's not going to work. Like they say, like she says that, you know, like a frontal assault is not going to work. They're just, they're too well fortified. It, we were bottlenecked. There's no way that we can possibly attack them from the front and have any hope of surviving. They're just going to roll out their tanks and everything and, and just like blow us away before we get across the bridge. And then they're like, so instead, we're going to do that anyways. We're just going to do that like we said we weren't going to because it's suicide. And uh, and these Padawans are going to blow, go blow up the place. So to me, it sounded like, so you guys know you're going to lose. So instead of just losing, you're going to lose but also blow this place up. But then they have this attitude of like, no, we're not going to lose as many people by doing it this way. But it's like, I'm sorry, instead of just like launching a frontal assault you guys are gonna pretend to launch a frontal (laughs) assault but not actually launch a frontal assault it's like why don't you just start attacking them they have these massive gun emplacements why don't you just start bombarding their freaking building like why don't you just start shooting it there's no guns outside there was nothing stopping them from using those long-range guns and just pelting the front of that oh, building. Yeah. And guess what? That would have worked. Yeah. That would have pissed off the Geonosians, and they would have started attacking. Yeah. Like, they would have started bringing out their forces and bringing them, like, probably just to in front of the bridge and then, you know, firing and, and you know, doing the same thing. And then it would have just been, like, this ranged war, which would have dr- drug on a lot longer with probably less casualties then parade marching your freaking troops <laughs> across a bridge in an open area yeah. in order to draw these troops out. Like, instead of just assaulting them like they should have with gunships and the long-range guns, they walk their troops up Yeah. in order to draw out the forces so that Ahsoka and, and Barris can sneak in through the back door. Now, I, I, I totally agree that, that in order for them to do what they needed to do, that you need to draw the attention away from it, right? Like, that's bait and switch. That's the whole point. But when you're sitting there saying, we can't do a frontal assault because we're just going to lose if we do that. Like, they're too... We know that they've got this new super tank right. or something that they're building in here. It's the freaking droid factory. And then, I mean, later on, Anakin has his comment, you know, we'll just have to destroy them faster than they can make them. But it's like, this is where all of their troops come from. <laughs> yeah. It's not, like, I just had a really hard time with the logic of this. Yeah, assault. no, I hear you. And then on top of that, it's like, why don't you just bombard it from orbit? Yeah. They don't have a shield generator, as far as we've heard. Right, that's the only thing that stops the Empire from just blowing up the the rebel base on Hoth. Yeah. They get there and they're like, uh, "Yeah, so they have a shield generator, 
so they're like, well, I guess we're going to have to land ground troops. <laughs> yeah. That, like, they, we have no other choice in this yeah. instance. Normally, we just take our TIE bombers, we blow some stuff up, or, you know, like, they, they take their Star Destroyers, because, I mean, you see it in Knights of the Old Republic. Right. With the capital ships, you take those capital ship weapons and you point them towards the planet, and you can, you know, destroy entire cities within a matter of minutes. Like, I don't even know why they built a Death Star in the first place. I think just, like, it, that was, like, a PR thing. Like, you know, now we can just blow up your entire planet instead of having to blow up cities yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, all they had to do is bring in, you know, all of their fleet and just bombard them from orbit and blow up this factory. It's it's one target. It's not even that big of a factory. No, I know. It doesn't seem you like know? it. But, I mean, we wouldn't get the awesome ending that we get, which I went on the Facebook page, and I posted that it was, like, one of the coolest endings ever. I, I freaking, freaking love it. love that. Yeah. So good. But we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get there. Okay, inside the foundry, Pogo the Lesser and the Tactical Droid TX-21 monitor the factory's efficiency. It is operating at 50% capacity, but it has already churned out 10 garrisons of new troops ready to deploy. Their new weapon, Super Tanks, capable of repelling Republic artillery, approaches operational status as well. The Republic forces march toward the bridge and are immediately swarmed by battle droids and Geonosians. As the armies tangle on the surface, Barris and Ahsoka climb down to the dry riverbed of the canyon. Barris cuts a passageway into the catacombs and leads the way into darkness. So, um, I had a clip of this, but we're having some <clears throat> issues with that clip. But um, it's basically Anakin and and Luminara. They're they're marching their troops, um, and it's like a, almost like a Mexican standoff. They're just marching them right up. It reminded me kind of yeah. like uh, the old Civil War days where it's just, hey, line up, and let's, let's start shooting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So here's, a, here's just the face-off. Let's do this. Um, but then we also find out that the, the Geonosians have a couple of tricks up their sleeve. They got this new super tank, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And then you also, you know, you got these bugs that are um, hiding out in these, in these spires. They just come right out and start... Um, Shooting down some of the clones, so you got a couple of attacking them from behind. Behind, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like the, they should have lost. Yeah, like that's all I'm gonna say is that they should have lost because these big tanks with like six or seven guns on them each start rolling out and shooting them. And, oh yeah, and there's tons of battle droids and super battle droids, and then on top of that. As there, as most of the the troops have made it out into the middle of the the bridge, the Geonosians pop out of these spires behind them and start firing. Yeah, it's like I don't know why they thought this was a good idea. Like they are clearly not in a position to be walking straight into this battle, but they do it anyways. It was I. This was I, just one of those episodes where I was scratching my head going, this doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're going to lose. Yeah. They need to lose this battle because there's no way that they can win it. Like, there isn't even a comment later of, well, it's a good thing we at least blew the place up because a lot of people died today. Yeah. Now we lost, like, half of our guys because they did. Like, those Genosians pop out and they start shooting the sonic guns or whatever, and they... 
Like you see them take out like four or five guys within a couple of seconds. Oh yeah, you have right to away. Imagine that they just wiped out all those clone troopers really quick. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. Anyways. Um, we're going to the second act here. Ahsoka and Barriss skulk through the darkened catacombs, trying to avoid Geonosian sentries. They stumble into a den of sleeping Geonosians, creeping past the eerily snoozing drones. A dead end gives Barris momentary doubt, but she sh- soon recalls the correct direction. So I kind of mentioned this earlier. This is what I like. I, I like something a little different. They're going in the catacombs. Yeah. Um, and then Barris kind of, we find out, we, we heard earlier that one of her, um, not missions, but one of her, Bar- uh, Luminari had her study this catacomb. That was her job. Yeah. Was, you're going to study this catacomb and find out how to get through this. So they already had kind of a plan going into this, what they wanted to do. Um, and then she kind of, she's going through there, sort of forgets, and then boom, here we go. I know where I'm going. So I just kind of like that little scene there going through the catacombs and seeing the drones. Yeah, all sleeping yeah. on the on the walls. And then, right. and then uh, the hand comes down on her head. Yeah. It's yeah. a really great moment because you're like, oh crap! <laughs> yeah. But they uh, they manage to get out of there. Yeah. But then, but then that Genosian does wake up and does end up following them. So. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I, I yeah I thought it was a really good moment. Cool. Uh, it was probably one of the. There's actually there's a clip of that on the website, for people who want to go check that out. Oh right right. Just of that moment of them going through. Yep. The sleeping Genosian. Um, yeah, I really like that. Cool. Um, on the surface, the infantry battle intensifies. Clone ATTE tanks provide heavy firepower to cut through Droidica squads. At TX-21's prompting, Poggle the Lesser allows 20 of the experimental super tanks to roll into combat. Anakin orders Rex to fire on the new targets, but the clone artillery has no effect on the ray-shielded armor. Skywalker sees his chronometer chirp. According to plan, Ahsoka and Barris would have reached the power plant by now. The super tanks return fire, wiping out the Republic artillery line. Help here. Get up there, My lord. I beg you to let us use the secret weapons. We have 20 units ready now, and many more on the way. Thank you, my lord. Deploy the super tanks. Attack formation. Toy. Rex, pick your targets. Yes, sir. Elevation 427. Okay. Um, here, like you said, the, the super tanks are rolling out, and they're ray shielded, so you're not going to do much damage to them. And then, Apparently, whatever yeah. ray shielding means. <laughs> and then they go right on to a bridge. Now, you'd think that the separatists or somebody would know by now that you know, you don't go on to a bridge, okay? Yeah. It's always yeah, going to you don't bad. just roll out your your new super weapon onto a bridge. I mean, but at the same time, you'd think that the Republic guys would be smart enough to go, 
like that Anakin would say, okay, everybody fall back and then run away. Right. And then just start pounding the bridge with the artillery rather than what they end up doing. Like, the, like I said, the, this whole episode tactically for me is really flawed. And then on top of that, they introduce these new tanks. And it's like, how come if these tanks are so freaking awesome, we never see them? Yeah. They're, they're not in any of the movies. <laughs> you know, but apparently yeah. they're indestructible. They are. Like, they shoot them with the artillery, which is like the long-range, gigantic artillery guns. These are the same types of guns that they use in uh, in the movie, in the Clone Wars movie, to just obliterate all of the AT, or the AAT tanks. Right. Like, they just, they're just waiting for them to get in range with the shield or whatever, and then as soon as they do, they just start blowing them up. Like, once the shield's down, or however that went. Yeah. And, uh, and you would think, like, that they just, it, that it would do something. <laughs> but it does nothing. It doesn't even leave a scorch mark on these things. No, no, no. And then Anakin's like, oh, they must be ray shielded. So it was like, it was one of those moments where you really know that you're watching a cartoon show. Yeah, and I yeah. and I don't like that with Clone Wars because we have other moments where it's so authentic and so well thought out. Right. Like an episode like Trespass, which I keep going back to. And and as well as, you know, like uh Children of the Force and and uh and some of the other major battles, like the like the Ryloth stuff. Right. And uh and using the Y Wings against the Malevolence. Oh yeah. And all that sort of stuff. You know, like I love the Y Wings. There was logic behind those battles. And I don't feel like there's any logic behind this battle. Like, that it was really just a cookie-cutter Star Wars style. Like, this is the sort of story that I would expect to read in one of the comic books. Yeah. And we all know how I feel about the comic books. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I just don't think that, that this storyline was up to, to the quality. I mean, I enjoyed the episode. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. For other reasons other than this plot. Right. Um, inside the power plant, there is a complication. Though Ahsoka and Barriss have made their way to the foundry reactor, their approach has been spotted by a Geonosian spy. The spy has informed Poggle, who orders <laughs> TX-21 to dispose of the intruders. The tactical droid deploys winged Geonosian warriors, as well as a super tank, into the reactor room. The Geonosians dispose of the few explosives that, that the Padawan have set, Padawans have set. Ahsoka destroys TX-21 with an explosive that puts barely a scratch on the adjacent tank. It just kind of rocks to one side. Yeah. I really liked that. Yeah. And it, like, blows up, and it blows, like, it, this, this description doesn't do it justice. TX-21 is standing there berating them, like, really? You think this explosive <laughs> is going to do anything? Yeah. He's, like, standing next to it, like, pointing at it, going, like, really? This thing? This thing right here? And, like... What would have been even better is if he would have just, like, touched it, and then it would have gone off. He would have been like, you think this is going to boom? Yeah. But, like, he's sitting there, like, bragging about how great these new tanks are, and then it explodes on the tank, blowing him up, because he doesn't bother to move out of the yeah. way. Yeah, maybe he thought he was ray shielded. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then what's even better is that the tank just kind of, like... It's kind of like like if you you know like in a in like a nature film or whatever when like a rhinoceros comes and sort of rubs up like while you're while the car's driving they kind of like run up and hit the side of a 
of a Jeep and it just kind of rocks up and then comes back down onto its wheel. Yeah. You know, like it's that same motion yeah. that this tank does, that it just explodes and it just kind of goes up a little bit on its front corner and then just comes right back down and keeps moving forward. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, you're like, you guys are screwed. Yeah. Like, no big run. deal. Yeah. <laughs> Leave now, you know, like mission failed. Yeah. Leave the room. Yeah. But, I think even the the battle droid said something like that too, didn't they? Or maybe that was later on. Okay, that, that was after the bridge. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, the super tank bombardment tears through the Republic armor. ATTEs collapse under a withering assault. Luminara and Anakin order their troops to fall back, drawing the tanks onto the bridge. Meanwhile, in the reactor core, Barris and Ahsoka valiantly defend themselves against overwhelming odds. Ahsoka is tossed aside by a flying Geonosian. She hits the reactor station hard and is knocked unconscious. Having removed all the explosives, the Geonosians scatter into access hatches. Barris is left alone to face the super tank herself. On the surface, the super tank phalanx rumbles over the stone bridge as Anakin and Luminara acrobatically climb to the bridge's underbelly. They swing hand over hand over the precarious height, affixing thermal detonator explosives at key points as they make their slow progress. Crossing the span, the two Jedi emerge on the opposite end, behind the tanks. Anakin triggers the remote detonator. Explosions tear through the bridge and the span collapses, taking the, taking the tanks into the canyon. Anakin's triumph is soon clouded by his concern for the Padawans. According to his chronometer, the reactor bomb should go off at any moment, and yet there is no sign of the apprentices. Evacuation ships are on their way to clear the area of what promises to be a resounding explosion. The heavy gates to the foundry open, and a fresh wave of battle droids emerge. In the reactor room, Barris leaps atop the super tank and cuts her way into the armored vehicle and slices through the droid pilots. Ahsoka awakens to see Barris piloting the tank. Ahsoka improvises. The tank could destroy the generator, but would not be able to escape the explosion. Barris grimly concedes that this is their only option. Ahsoka briefly calms Anakin to let him know that she cannot leave the foundry. She then cuts off communications, and the Padawans train the tank cannons on the reactor. Now, um, here's, here's a situation where you kind of see the, the differences with the two Padawans. Barris is basically says, she doesn't know what to do now. She's stuck. Well, yeah. you know, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, and it here, didn't go according to plan, so she just exactly. gives up. She's like, we failed. Exactly. And here's Ahsoka, who is trained by Anakin, who is one to always <clears throat> think on his feet. Yeah. She says, hey, let's do this. You know, we're, we're going to die, but at least we're going we're gonna to finish our mission. Yeah. So there's, I thought, a really good scene of showing the two and, and the differences. And, and there was also a really good scene there with the music and the whole, the whole, the whole scene where it explodes. 
Yeah. Um, you get that huge oh. wave of sand that comes over you over the point. It's amazing wow. because like it, it, the audio almost cuts out. Like it almost goes silent. It's, it sort of goes like this muffled muted audio. Yeah. But the music swells up and it's just like, it's some of the best score that they've done so far. And I, when, when it was the first time I watched it, when I was listening, I was like, thank goodness really early on in the series, uh, Kevin Kiner moved away from doing these unique, odd yeah. soundtracks for every episode. Like, right. cause, cause like with downfall of a droid, we had that weird techno yeah. soundtrack going on and stuff. And he's just, he's just following through with the stuff that he did from the movie, which is just this really edgy war version of the star Wars style music. Yeah, And this is a perfect example of how he's really sort of found the sound for it. Because it doesn't sound like anything else from the Star Wars movies. But it sounds really Star Wars. Sounds familiar, and yeah. And it's really emotional. Right, exactly. And it just, it, it's this great punctuation to the visuals, which... I mean, like, kudos to the animators, to, to everybody who had a hand in this scene because when that building comes down it's a it's a tall spire it's almost like a like this like narrow castle of a building and as it explodes like you get that first explosion and you get Anakin and Luminar's reaction shot and then it goes back to this establishing shot of the entire building as it just like it sort of pops in places and these big plumes of smoke come out of it right. and the building just sort of starts to crumble in on itself and just comes down around them essentially right. and and you get you get the 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 dust cloud coming out and the and all of the the clone troopers have to like hit the dirt and <laughs> you know so they yeah. don't get like blown away by it and it's just this really really powerful scene and man it it's one of the best scenes of that kind that they've done in the series. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. And then on top of it, you know that Ahsoka and Luminar are, and Barris are in there, right? And that they that they may have just sacrificed themselves. And I mean, we know, you know, we're we're what seven episodes into season two. Yeah, Ahsoka's not dead, and no. Barris isn't dead. No, we know they're not. Well, we know Barris but, doesn't die till um, episode three, basically. Well, yeah. Well, sort of, yeah, yeah. So, so we know that they're not dead. We like it's, you know, you can just kind of tell. Yeah. But at the same time, you feel it. Like it's still emotional that oh, this definitely. building is coming down on top of them. Yeah. So, yeah. It was it was a really really good scene. It was because of the ray shielding of the tank. It must have been the ray shield. <laughs> See. Uh, <laughs> Here we Anakin and Illuminara watch on with shock as the enemy, as the entire foundry collapses in a chain of explosions with their apprentices caught inside. An immense dense cloud envelops the blast site. Later, when it clears, Anakin and Illuminara stand before the smoldering blast crater. Anakin tries to contact Ahsoka via his comlink. The agitated Skywalker is determined to find his apprentice, but Illuminara is much more accepting of their fates. So again, here is the, here is the the contrast with the two with the two ma or the two yeah. uh, leaders here, Anakin and Luminara. She's like, 
she's of the old school. She knows her place. She knows how the Jedi Order is. Hey, if she if she goes doing our mission, you know, I'm cool with that, you know. And Anakin's more like, hey, no, we got to get to them, you know. I'm not done here, you know. Yeah. Um, and here's the – they almost have like a brother-sister type thing. That's kind of what I got out of it, relationship. Um, you know, they kind of bicker, fight a little bit, have a little fun. But, you know, the attachment thing comes into play again for Anakin. Yeah. And uh, he, he just wants to get to her and get her out of there. So, you know, I kind of like that scene too. Um, showing Anakin. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that they might have they sort of amped up uh, Luminara's reaction a little bit too much though. Where it's kind of like she almost... I understand where Anakin's coming from because she almost doesn't even care. Yeah. Like, her attitude is like you know, clearly they sacrificed themselves so that we could win. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. But Anakin's like, no, they're probably still down there. And, and she's like, yeah, I sense them, you know, fading away, yeah. which to, to Luminara is like, they're dying. So, you know, honor their sacrifice sort of thing. Right. She's really quick to do that. And then, but Anakin is like, no, if there's still a chance, there's still a chance. And I think, <clears throat> I think Obi Wan would be the same way. Oh yeah, and I, I think, I think, I think that, that a lot of Jedi would be the same way. Um, I mean, you don't see Yoda at the end of Episode Two go. You know, he senses something in the Force that that Anakin and Obi Wan are in danger, and that there that the dark side is there, and that it's probably Dooku or you know something like it. He senses it. Yeah, you see it in his face. He's like, something's going down. If it were Luminara, she'd be like, "Huh, I sense the dark side." Yeah, we should probably leave. <laughs> like, yeah. we should we should go now because yeah. the dark side's bad. But Yoda is like, "No, I sense the dark side. Get me a ship, because I'm gonna go and I'm gonna save Anakin and Obi Wan." Yeah, he's not like, and then and then he shows up, and the two of them are on the ground unconscious. Anakin's missing an arm for goodness sake. Like, like yeah. the dude is, is dying essentially. I mean, without medical attention, he will die. He just lost an arm. His body's going into shock. He'll die. Yoda's not like, huh? Well, I guess I'll just go after Dooku. Yeah. And just focus on Dooku. No, the second that Dooku goes, Hey, look, they're over there. They're weak. And you know, they have no defense. I'm going to drop some rocks on them. Yoda turns his focus and instead of doing what's best for the entire galaxy, he does what's best for Anakin and Obi-Wan in that moment. Right. Saves them. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so I don't know. I feel like Anakin is more in the right than Luminara is. I think that, that yeah. I understand what she's saying and the point that they're making with what, with her actions, <clears throat> that Anakin does have an issue with attachment that we've seen before with his mother and we will see in the future with Padme, right. and uh, and that we've seen with R two in the in the downfall of a droid episode. Yeah, um, it's a droid. Yeah, 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 a droid. You know, like of all things, yeah. right? But but yeah, it's it seems like Luminar doesn't she doesn't quite get that. She doesn't. It's almost like she takes she uses it as an excuse to not have to 
to get attached. Yeah, at all. Ah, I can see that. Yeah, good point. But, good point. But Anakin's viewpoint, which we hear in Episode Two, is that compassion is all about caring. Like you, it's not about attachment, but it is about doing what's right. Yeah. And I think that that's his his, his viewpoint, which isn't flawed necessarily as long as he can remain objective. I don't think that Anakin's attachment is necessarily what leads him down to the dark side. I think it's his subjectivity that leads him to the dark side. It's that he relies on his emotions too heavily. Yeah. As opposed to doing what's right. He doesn't do what's right in the sense of what's right, you know, morally. He does what's right for him. Right, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes the two match up because he's a hero. So what's right for him is to be a hero and save the day. So most of the time it matches up and everybody looks at it like Anakin Skywalker is a hero and cares so much about everybody, you know. But in truth, it's like, no, he's really doing this out of a sense of obligation to himself. Yeah. It's, It's really selfish motivations. And I think that's what makes him Darth Vader over over just like straight up attachment because you see other Jedi with attachments. I mean, obviously Obi-Wan has attachment to Anakin, but he also has the ability to remain objective. And when he goes up against Vader on Mustafar, he says, he talks to him first. It's not like oh, yeah. he walks yeah. in and goes, you know, I'm going to kill you now. He, said, he tries to reason with him first. I mean, he sees him killing Padme, so he's a little bit aggressive about it. But he does try and reason with him. He does try and say, you know, you're working for a Sith. Yeah. You know, cut it out. And then Anakin goes, you know, from my perspective, you're the bad guy. Yeah. And, then he, and at that point, he goes, then I guess you are screwed up. You know, like, <laughs> I, guess, I guess that we just are going to have to fight now. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, you know, there's it's my favorite moment in the prequel trilogy where he says, you know, you were my brother. Yeah. You know, and he says, I loved you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like so obviously attachment's not for all that. Yeah. Because they care about each other, you know, like the like Yoda says in in episode two to Padme when he sees her. Because she's just like had several assassination attempts on her life, he's like, "I'm I'm happy to see you. It makes me feel really good that you're not dead." Now, it, like that's attachment. Oh yeah. You know? yeah. Like, he says that because he knows her. Good point. Yeah. You know, like Yoda doesn't get upset over some minor who dies, you know, on the moons of Diego or something like that because he doesn't know. Her. So that's attachment. Like that's that's. That's the definition of attachment. He knows someone, so he... Dateline, a long time yeah. ago. But the galaxy far, far, far away. Almost too the clone armies of the Republic are spread out across the galaxy, fighting droid armies of the Separatist movement. Like, does she even and from really the front lines, the battle comes. <laughs> front lines, the clone war, the podcast. Yeah. It's With your host, like, Michael Cohen. That's and now, I don't sense Michael Cohen. But it's another thing to be like, no, I sense them. You know, they're they're slowly fading away. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's my no, he makes makes some good points there. I like that. Um, let's go on to. Uh, we'll keep going here. Under tons of rubble in the darkened control cabin of their trap tank, Ahsoka and Barris illuminate the darkness 
with the twin glows of their lightsabers. Ahsoka uses one of the tank's smaller power cells to boost the signal on her wrist comlink. Anakin's fierce determination does not wane. The lifters peel off layers of wreckage from the crater. He suddenly gets a pulse on his comlink on Ahsoka's channel. Rather than wait for the heavy machinery, Anakin and Luminari use the force to lift the debris. Sunlight streams into the shattered tank hull, and Ahsoka and Barriss realize they're saved. They emerge shaken and coughing and are reunited with their mentors. So there it is. That was the the whole episode. It ended up, yeah. um, again, Ahsoka <clears throat> using, using some of uh, Anakin's um, you know, tinkering skills. Yeah. And is able to make the make the calm link. And well, uh, it's again, cool. it's the improvisation, right? Like, right, right. Luminara or uh, Barris looks at it at, at their situation and goes, "Well, I guess we're done." I re- I really like the moment where Barris is like, "Oh, I really would have rather have died up there fighting than down here starving yeah, to death." Starving. And Ahsoka's like, "Don't be silly. We're gonna run out of air long before we starve." Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." Obviously, yeah. like like Ahsoka has clearly been in life or death situations. Yeah, and you know, Barris has not. It's almost like she's been in more in her young age than Barris has. You know. Yeah. Like yeah. she's kind of used to this almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, how many times has she narrowly escaped death? Right. Yeah. With and by Anakin's side, you yeah. know, already. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, I thought. Um, pretty good episode I, I don't think it was as good as like children of the, of the uh, force or yeah. the first few episodes uh, but i put it like right behind there um like you said probably a solid four a lot of good things that that i liked in this episode um like yeah. i said before i, I like the geonosian i like this this might be what a five story arc if you include the uh senate spy it looks like it might be so mm-hmm. um and what i also like about this is you got like I said earlier, the, the Geonosians who are led by Poggle, who's a pretty good tactician. Um, so the clones are not just facing a, and the Jedi are not just facing, you know, the droids. They're yeah. facing in someone who's, who's got a leader. Um, they got their own tactics on how to use things in the catacombs. So a bunch of that stuff is, is, is what I liked about this episode. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. I mean, I, you know, I kind of was a little bit harsh on their military tactics and everything, but uh, but overall, yeah, it's you know it's a fairly good episode. It 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 doesn't do too much wrong that I can't you know forgive it essentially. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, I do still have issues. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. It's, it's all right it's, though. It's just stuff that I would like to see addressed. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, it, you know, just contradictions because like, I'm not the type, I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. I'm not the type that cares too much about technicalities. Like, you know, how big is this ship compared to this ship and, and that sort of stuff. But when you go out of your way to say, we can't launch a frontal assault and then you launch a frontal assault anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, sorry, you guys just contradicted to yourself. It's like, <laughs> If you told me that that a, a Republic cruiser is bigger than one of the Separatist frigates, and then in the next scene we see that the Separatist frigate is actually twice the size yeah. of a Republic cruiser, then I have an issue. 
if you try and go that Republic cruiser in that shot compared to this Republic cruiser in this other episode, based on these, you know, uh, reference points shows that they're two totally different sizes. What does that mean? Yeah. That's going too far. Yeah. But if you contradict yourself within the episode, flat out, like it, you're going to call him on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to call it like that's. I feel like that's just sloppy. Yeah. So anyways, well, that's, with, with that's that, one person's opinion. <laughs> with that, we'll get into the uh, mailbag. In fact, <laughs> I got, okay. I just got one mailbag uh, this week. Um, or one that I was going to post here, and it's from uh, Kyle. Um, he says, uh, hello, you two. The landing at Point Rain was freaking awesome episode. I loved all the action the Republic gunships were involved in, uh, Caddy Mooney's clone troopers, and a different helmet design, and a cool desert camo scheme on their armor. I, also, uh, I became very upset when Obi-Wan took on damage in the heat of the battle. Uh, the second episode of this miniseries looks very cool. Have fun, you two. Commander Danielson out. You know what? And I, I didn't get to comment on this on last week's podcast, but that was one of the things I wanted to get to and I never got to was all the different clones and the schemes and yeah. the, the paint schemes. That was really cool. And different helmets. Helmet I, I design. Liked the, yeah. I like those helmets that had the – it almost looked like they had headphones on yeah, yeah. on the sides of them, huh? and they didn't have the fin on the top. Right. So, like, I don't, it, they never explained what kind of troops those were. I was looking like, for what, them. Yeah, I couldn't figure it out. made them different. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, it, to me, it looked like they were It was they were almost like gunners. And then instead of having white armor, their entire armor was painted. Yeah. But it was two-tone. Like, right. they, they had sort of striping and colorations that were unique to some of the troopers. But they were all brown. Like they were all desert, desert, yeah, colored. Yeah. So um, you could tell that like these guys were specifically built for this sort of situation, right? Right. Um, and they were Obi Wan's troops because because uh, Cody was with them, right? And they were the ones that were going with with Obi Wan and Cody at one point. So so yeah, I don't know. I would just think that that I guess that they're that that's just like like desert gear. Or right. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're they're just uh, pressurized or something differently so that they can keep out the heat or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they have the uh, Kiati Mondi's troops were were they look like the swamp troopers but with the cam- <clears throat> the camo design. Yeah. yeah. They had the biker scout sort of type helmet with a visor, um, and then uh, just had the different paint scheme. So that was a. Uh, I really like that design too, and then of course you had the the flame troopers um, laying some waste, you know, with the flamethrowers. They had that solid, almost almost kind of like a snow trooper type helmet. So, um, like Kyle said in, the, in his mail here, um, lots of different uh, designs and uh, of the clones. So that was that was a really nice thing to see in that last episode. So, thanks Kyle for the mail. Keep it coming. Um, you want to get to the uh, Forum post of the week there, Mike? Yeah, sure. Actually, actually uh, this is a forum slash Facebook post of the week. We kind of expanded it a little bit. So um, if you want – go ahead, Mike, if you want to read that. Was this was this from the Facebook page? This, this was actually a Facebook uh, um, post right here. Face, Facebook page or Facebook group? 
Um, I got to differentiate because I haven't been on the group in a really long time because I just checked the, the page. Oh, it must be the page then. Yeah, because I know you're on it once in a while. Yeah. Uh, you were on it just a few days ago. So I think uh, the page then, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the, the, it's from Gregory Stedman is the one who posted this. And he put a, a it's a poll. What's your favorite Star Wars video game? Uh, so I, you go first. What's your favorite Star Wars video game? Well, um, I kind of went back and looked at, I mean, there's been so many different Star Wars games. Um, just a couple of favorites that popped in my head was, um, of course, for the Xbox 360, um, Force Unleashed, and not necessarily because of the, the gameplay, but mm-hmm. the story is um, what kind of sold it for me. And I haven't even yeah. got a chance to pick up the new Sith Edition, which probably has some really cool levels on it, and I think you've played them already. Um, uh, I've played everything but Hoth. But Hoth, okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to, to starting that one over again with the, all the new levels. Yeah. Um, a couple other ones that came to mind were KOTOR, of course, mm-hmm. um, LEGO Star Wars. And then uh, I was looking at my PC stuff, and I remember playing Rogue Squadron for the PC years and years ago, probably like in, shoot, I don't know what it was, 90s, late 90s maybe, maybe 2000. Yeah, yeah the first yeah. Rogue Squadron was like uh, 96, 97. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, 97, yeah. So. Yeah. And then the only other one I want to mention was um, the actual arcade game called Star Wars Trilogy. And that was around 98, 99, something like that. That was the, the joystick arcade joystick, game? Like yeah. The sit-in? Yeah, I put so yeah. much money into that thing. Oh, man. Yeah. So those yeah. are some of, the, some of the ones that came to my mind. What about, what about you? Uh, well, the Rogue Squadron series is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, um, yeah. The second one, uh, Rogue Leader. Uh, which was the the first one on GameCube? I personally feel is the best one. Yeah. Because uh, with Rebel Strike, they they went they tried to do like uh, as a like on foot, and you could like land your ship and get out and run around on foot and stuff. And it just I don't know. It didn't seem as polished as Rogue Leader did because Rogue Leader was like perfect. It looked amazing, and I mean Rogue Leader still looks amazing compared to some games because it looks just like the movie yeah you know, like right. it looks as good as the special edition easily yeah. um in some instances uh so i really enjoy that and i still go back and play that every once in a while i obviously really enjoyed the, the story for the force unleashed as well but having gone back and played it again when that tatooine level came out it really doesn't stand the test of time like yeah, i don't think yeah. i'll go back and play it right. i really don't care to even bother with the sith edition uh if anything i'll like rent the sith edition yeah that's what i'm gonna do level. yeah um that's what i'll do yeah yeah but i i mean i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back way farther because some of the, my favorite star wars games to play uh are like one of them is an old pc game for windows 95 uh, called Yoda Stories that was also later released on the Game Boy Advance, but I initially played it on the computer and it was like this top-down Zelda-style adventure but there was no action. It was it's, it, it's, it's what's called an adventure game. Like, they misuse the word adventure game now. Yeah. But it, it's like the sort of thing where you would go around picking up um, you know, you'd have to get four mushrooms and bring them back to Yoda and then Yoda would make stew. And then after you've eaten, 
then he could start training you. Is this on Dagobah? Like, yeah, like okay. on Dagobah, yeah. Um, and you'd have to, like, collect different things in order to progress in the game. So that's that's kind of the way that it went. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't so much a focus on, like, running around with your lightsaber and shooting stuff and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then one of the Star Wars games that I've probably played the most is Empire Strikes Back for the original Game Boy. Uh, I freaking loved that. Oh, yeah. Back yeah. In the day, and it was so hard. I think I made it to Bespin once. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in my life, once. Because it's the sort of thing, like, that was before you could save your progress and pick it up later. Oh, you had to start and over, you yeah. Started, you oh. started with three lives, and it was really easy to die. Like, yeah. really easy to die. But at the same time, once you got your lightsaber, your lightsaber had all of these different moves that you could do. Like, if you held up and then used your lightsaber... Luke would swing it above his head. And if you held it down, he'd do a sweep below, like a sweep under the legs sort of thing. Yeah. And if you just held it neutral, he would just swing it in front of him. But if you tapped it repeatedly, he'd do a different move. <clears throat> and then if you held, if you held down and then held the lightsaber, he'd swing once and then hold the lightsaber in front of him and block blaster bolts with it. And it was like for a Game Boy game, it was incredibly, incredibly advanced. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I really, really liked that and played it a lot. And then uh, and then there's the Episode Three Game Boy Advance slash DS game that was really good. That was kind of like a a two D side scrolling uh, brawler game. Yeah. And you played you could play through it as Anakin or as Obi Wan. And, uh, and I really enjoyed that. And I wish that they would go back and make other games like that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then obviously I mentioned earlier all the Super Star Wars games, which are classic. I mean, yeah. you can't really go wrong with those. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, as well as as the original uh, Nintendo versions of Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> which are both really good. And I really enjoy both of those. Yeah. Um, but again, they're super, super difficult. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the last thing I'll mention is I like I like uh, real time strategy games. So they've done a few Star Wars ones in the past. Galaxies. Um, uh, no, uh, Galaxy at War was one oh, of them. Okay, yeah. Um, which was the most recent one, uh, which I didn't really get the chance to play a lot of, but I did play a little bit and it was all right. But uh, Battlegrounds, Galactic Battlegrounds was was probably the best one because it was built on the Age of Empires um, engine. Okay, yeah. So it played exactly like Age of Empires, which is like a tried and tested system, and that, but then it was just Star Wars themed. And you went through, uh, they, they did initially um, just like classic trilogy stuff, and then they came out with a Clone Wars, Episode 2 Clone Wars, campaign right later. or there was also an episode one storyline with where you went to like uh nabu and stuff oh okay but uh, yeah i really enjoyed that nice nice the only issue i had with one of the video games that i played was uh the revenge of the sith um for xbox 360 i think i uh, <laughs> i was playing it and then my one of my sons took over for me and i came back in and he was at a level this was before mind you 
before episode three had come out yet. Yeah. The video game came out. Do you remember that? And you're playing and you're going, holy crap, I'm getting spoiled. I said, turn this thing off. Yeah. (laughs) You can't play this until after the movie, you know? Yeah. But I don't think we're going to have that problem anymore. I don't see any movies coming out. But that was just one other thing I remember is playing that game and having to stop it because you were getting too much information of the movie, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's uh, the post of the week from Gregory Stedman from uh, Facebook. So you guys keep uh, posting on Facebook for us. And then we're going to get into the upcoming episode description. Yeah, so the next episode is uh, – oh, I forgot to put the episode title. It's called it? uh, Legacy of Terror. Legacy of Terror, okay. Yes. And uh, the description says, A hunt for the missing Luminara leads the Jedi to a lair full of undead warriors. So this is this is that zombie episode. Is this a zombie that one? That's a yeah, it must be. Yeah. yeah. So here it is. Yeah. We got we're coming back with Luminara and we're gonna get some zombies. So um <laughs> all you zombie fans out there. Yeah. Are probably gonna love this episode. Second instance of zombies in Star Wars. Because there was just uh some zombie story with zombie stormtroopers or something. Oh yeah, that was uh Death Troopers? Is that what you're talking about? The book? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't okay. know. It's not my thing. I, I like zombies all right, but I don't – it's – I this is one of those instances of, like, somebody somebody saw, you know, like like uh, peanut butter and chocolate get mixed together. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, like peanut butter and chocolate. And then they saw, like, peanut butter and jelly, and they're like, well, what else goes good with peanut butter? Let's try and this. And they were like peanut butter and tuna, <laughs> and it just doesn't mix Yeah. for me. It's like, you know what? I love zombie stuff. And I love Star Wars, but I think the two need to be mutually exclusive. It's I like know, that book got a lot of good reviews, though. People are liking it, but yeah, yeah like, like you said, I don't know. It's not really my thing either. It's zombies. not my thing. That's not why I watch Star Wars. No, right? Right, that's yeah. that's why I read comics like Walking Dead and you know watch you know Romero zombie movies is for that stuff. No, yeah, I, yeah right. No, I, that's not why I watch Star Wars. Star yeah. Wars is something different for me. So. Yeah. So I don't know, but we'll see how this episode goes. It might be a good one. Yeah, you never know. It's good times. They're doing well so far, so. Yeah. Okay. I think that's going to wrap it up, huh? So that's it for us this week? I think so. Okay, so, uh, well, I guess then then, uh, then I'll just wrap it up and say thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, don't forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Your username is Clone Wars. Uh, and head over to Facebook and join our group and our page. Uh, you can go. It's just facebook.com slash Clone Wars podcast. And, uh, and you can join the Facebook page right there. And, uh, and as always, join us on the Geek Out Loud forums at uh, www.geekoutpodcast.com slash forums. And uh, I guess that's it. I think that'll do it. Yeah, so. uh, And as always, may the force be with you. We'll see you all next week. And see ya.